Church Podcast. Let's go. What's up, everyone? This is Nate Felkel here with the Not Church Podcast. I am so pumped that you are here today. Uh, you get a special two for one uh, today. Like this is gonna, this is just gonna be a great episode. So I'm so excited that you're here. If this is your first time, welcome to Not Church. If it's your first time back in a while, glad that you're back. And if you're a continued supporter and listener, so thankful for you. If you have no idea what Not Church is, you have no idea what you walked into. The idea is that we're a community or podcast where where we talk about conversations that maybe people aren't comfortable to have in church. Yeah, we talk about the Bible, God, faith, and stuff, but we try to keep it real and try to try to you know the questions that sometimes we're like, oh, I don't know if I agree with that or I disagree with that or you know just just things that sometimes people aren't comfortable talking about. That's what we try to address. Um, and so totally would love to hear your feedback and responses. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook. We'd love to hear from you as we uh, get this community rolling. So it is exciting. I'm glad that you're here. When I said that, that you have a two for one, I, there's two parts to that. First, we've, um, we've been looking at the life of Jesus and we've been looking at it through the book of John, which, as I said, is one of my uh, favorite gospels or favorite uh, just stories of the account of Jesus because John um, is kind of direct and to the point but but offers a lot of unique insight that the other three don't offer and so it's just kind of cool uh, you can totally check those out and if you've been following along you know where we're at but the uh, the two things that we want to talk about today is one that one of the most famous verses in the Bible is found in John 3 John 3.16 is something that maybe you've heard of before. If you haven't, no worries. But it's it's a famous verse, and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And it's one of the reasons that it's a famous verse is that it's kind of a summary statement of what John had to say. It's a summary statement of what Jesus had to say, and and is a cool statement now if you go and look at we're just going to spend a few minutes on this because the second part of this podcast is the real exciting part but if you look at the story where that like kind of shows up jesus is meeting with a religious leader named nicodemus that's a good kid's name if you are looking for names but yeah he's meeting with nicodemus nicodemus is a pharisee so he's one of the religious elite leaders and he comes to see jesus at night because he has questions and he knows that Jesus is probably from God, but he's just, it's not what he expected. And so he has these questions and they have a weird, interesting conversation about being born again. And Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? I'm an old man. How do you be born again? And Jesus is like, you're a smart person. How do you not know? And it's just, it's an interesting conversation and you totally check it out for yourself. But the part that I wanted to hone in on is I don't know if we understand the significance. That verse, John three sixteen, that sentence is right at the end of their conversation. And while it's a significant verse that people have heard, and that's great, I don't know if we understand one of the significant points of it. And that's that it, John, that, 
Those are John's words. Jesus didn't say that. And John, as we talked about in an earlier episode, is writing this at the end of his life. And so after this weird conversation that you can go read, John looks at this and he and he kind of zooms out and and he's trying to add perspective from what he's learned in the three years he was with Jesus and all the years since the 20, 30 years since Jesus, like he, he zooms out and he says, like, here's the thing for God so loved the world that he's zooming in on this conversation that the main takeaway is for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And I just think if you think about John's life, John would have seen probably all of his friends die or be thrown in jail and not know what happened to him. He would have seen at first the religious leaders like the Pharisees and other temple officials try to get rid of him and his friends and anybody that believed in Jesus. And then later it wouldn't be just the religious leaders. It was then Rome. Rome wanted to stamp this out and and through all of that, as John's looking back and he's writing this down at the end of his life, he looks back on this and he says, for God so loved the world. And and I just think that that's amazing because John knew the world wasn't lovely. He knew that life wasn't easy. He had experienced all of that. Yet he said, for God so loved the world. And I just think that that's a unique insight because it is... It is a very important, just fascinating bit of information because John has perspective that we don't. I know for a lot of us, we struggle with faith. We struggle, we doubt. And sometimes one of the things, one of the main things that drives that doubt is, is things being hard. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do, why is God not answering the prayers the way I want? Why why is this challenging time not going away? This person I care about, why are they not being healed? Why are they suicidal and have mental health issues? Like all these things. And I get it. And that is tough. That is so tough. And I can't even imagine some of it. But what I know and one of the things that gives me confidence that I hope gives you some confidence or at least allows you permission to re-enter or re-explore Jesus is that John experienced all things like that and even more, and yet he was able to say, you know, looking back on it, I truly believe that God so loved the world. And and what is it that John knew that we didn't? What is it that he experienced that, that maybe we didn't understand? What is it that he experienced that maybe nobody ever told you? That's the point of the series, and that that is the biggest takeaway I think from that story of Jesus talking to that religious leader. Now, I could talk about that the whole time, but what I'm excited about today is that you're going to hear a conversation me and my amazing wife, Amanda, got to have about probably one of our favorite stories in the Bible. I, I keep saying that different stories are our favorite, but this is one that gets me emotional. Um, I don't it's uh i don't know it's just such a good story and it's found in john 4 and so it's titled the woman at the well i'd highly encourage that you read it but either way enjoy this conversation that me and amanda have about what happens next in the book of john (laughs) 
What's up, everyone? Uh, before we get to our guest, it's a very special person, uh, probably the most special guest I can ever have on this podcast. So I hope you're really excited about that. But before we get to that, I just wanted to story tell the story that we're talking about because we kind of just jump right into the conversation. And so the story that we're talking about is commonly called the woman at the well or the Samaritan woman at the well. It's found in John 4, if you ever want to fact check this. But it there's just a couple of important context things that we need to understand. First is that Samaritans and Jewish people did not like each other. Part of it is because the Jews believed that the Samaritans were not full-blooded Jewish people, kind of like mudbloods in Harry Potter, that, that they intermarried with other races and other people, and so they weren't full Jewish, and therefore they didn't get the full blessings of God. Kind of racist. By kind of racist, I mean super racist. The other thing is, is that women did not have anywhere close to the rights of a man back then. Um, this, this is still a struggle in some places in the world today and in different areas of the world today, but back then it was way worse. It was a woman's testimony and court didn't mean anything. So if a woman accused you of stealing, it didn't matter because she was a woman. Okay. And I don't think we can wrap our minds around just how wrong that is and, and what it would like to be like that. The other important context thing is that, you know, even in our world today, it's not ideal to have multiple marriage partners. Okay. Like if somebody has been married two, three, four, five, six times, you, at some point you're like, uh, so what's going on? Can't hold someone down. Um, but that's, that's the general perspective today. Again, if you go back in time, it was so much bigger back then, so much worse, and, and just not good. That whether it was uh, the person, people were dying, it didn't matter. It, it Typically, especially if it was a woman, it was her fault that a husband either died or left or whatever. Everything, everything got blamed on the woman. Not good. Definitely wrong. Um, but those are some important context things for the story. And so the story picks up with, if you remember Jesus, what we've talked about is that he went to a wedding. He made some wine there. That was really cool. Um, starts healing some people. Things are getting crazy. He meets with a religious leader, Nicodemus, in John 3. And like just news about Jesus is starting to travel some. And so Jesus is traveling. And, and he gets to this area of Samaria. And he sends his disciples at into town ahead of him and, and he goes and waits by a well and while he's at the well this woman comes in the heat of the day like the hottest part of the day shows up to draw wet water by herself typically women would travel together they're safer together and they would come early in the morning when it's not as hot but this woman is by herself and so Jesus has this strange conversation with her where he asks her for a drink of water and she's like, why are you talking to me? You're a man and not only are you're a man, but you're a Jewish man. We're not supposed to talk because you're Jewish and a man. Like, there's two big cultural no-nos. And, and Jesus says something weird um, where he says, you know, if you knew who was talking to you, you'd ask me for water. And the woman says, yeah, except you don't have anything to get water with. So what are you talking about? And it's, it's kind of funny because Jesus, what he is pointing to is that he is pointing to this idea of 
like we like we talked about with Nicodemus about being born again instead of using that analogy of being born again he's talking about living water that that it will change someone's life that it'll, it'll yeah that it'll change their life and he's using that imagery of water and so the conversation continues and Jesus beat because he was God he pokes at or prods into an area of shame and hurt in her life when he says go call your husband and come back and the woman says i don't have a husband and jesus says you're correct in saying you don't have a husband you've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband this is where like if there's music or soundtrack the music would change because like that's dramatic jesus is sticking his nose in this woman's business and it seems kind of intense right but in that what he's getting at or so what she realizes is oh so you must be a prophet you must you're obviously somewhat spiritual from god that you know this thing about me when i don't know you and then this is where jesus makes a key declaration is that he he starts moving the conversation towards worshiping god and the messiah and the samaritan woman points out she's a Samaritan. She's not allowed to go to the temple. The Jews don't like her. And Jesus makes this declaration where he says that not only is there a Messiah that's coming that's going to start setting all that straight, but in fact, Jesus, he is the Messiah and that he's here to point people towards that they can worship God no matter who they are, that anyone, no matter where they are, they can worship God in spirit and in truth. Well, we we don't get a ton of these details, but it just blows the woman's mind. She leaves her water behind and runs into town and tells everybody, hey, you guys need to come see this man who's telling me. I think this is such funny. He, she says, come see the man who's told me everything I've ever done. Meaning she's <laughs> the town already all knows the, like, the things in her life that's messed up. And she's like, guys, somebody who didn't know me knew that stuff. You need to come see him because... He has an encouraging message. And so the town comes out. Jesus spends several days there. And and because of this woman's testimony, remember, her testimony didn't count for anything. But because of this woman's testimony, people came out. And that whole town changed for forever. And those people's lives changed. And they believed Jesus. And and then John Ebron records for us a key fact. He says that the town, the people in the town said, we believed you because of what you said. Now we also believe because of what we have seen. And it is just mind-blowing that Jesus at the start of his ministry, the first time he goes really public, is with this woman and uses her to set the course for his ministry and set the course for that town, elevating her encouraging her and empowering her so that's the brief nate version of the story you can check it out in john 4 but with that get ready for this awesome interview what's up everyone i am here with the most powerful person in the world definitely the most influential uh my wife amanda what's up amanda hi yeah, I mean, by, uh, sorry, I meant by, you know, by the world, I meant my world. Okay. okay. <laughs> yes, because uh, she is uh, definitely the most powerful person in my world. Uh, no, I'm pumped that you're here. What's up? Thank you. Welcome to the Not Church 
podcast. Thank you. Finally, I get invited. I know. It's only been three seasons. So, you know. <laughs> um, no, one of the reasons I invited Amanda is, one, she's awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just because we've been married for, here you go. How long have we been married? Six years. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I knew. I just want to see if you did. Um, and not just because we've been married, but... The story that we're talking about is one of our favorites just as a family, but uh, it's been one of my favorites throughout life, and I think it's one that resonates a lot with you. Um, and so we've uh, kind of already story told the story before this, and so I was just wondering just right off the bat, like what is kind of your takeaways from the story? Like why is it one that you like? I really like the story because um... – Definitely because Jesus elevates um, somebody that wasn't expected to be elevated and elevated in that culture, a woman, a Samaritan. She was an outcast in her like circle of people, yeah. and um, he used her to change the whole town. And I think it's pretty powerful that um, he does that, and he doesn't use somebody more like that has more credit or more like influence over the town yeah yeah culturally speaking like in that context it uh there's definitely somebody more influential or more powerful he could have picked to to influence that town and instead he chooses maybe the lowest person in that town Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah uh and it's just crazy yeah um for me is pretty much the same reason why i've always loved that story is that it's it's everything you said, and it just, you know, the only thing I'd add on is, like, it just is shocking at how dramatic Jesus is with it, that that was his game plan. And it's the, the best illustration we have of what his overall plan, purpose, and how he was going to implement that, you know? Yeah. Um, I find it fascinating that John records for us that it's the first person he told he was the Messiah to, like, this is the launch of his like real public ministry and it's with this person like it's crazy because that if you were making the story up this is a terrible intro <laughs> you know like you would like if i was making the story up, i'd find the king or the emperor and be like you know bam like get them on my side and you know but picking somebody like this is just the lowest part you want to share with everyone, so there's a TV series um, called The Chosen that we will watch, and they, the final scene is this story, and you want to share with them how I react each time, because uh, I know you like to pick fun of me about this, but yeah. you can you can spill the, spill the beans. So you're like obsessed with this story, and you have everyone watch the scene, and every single time, you like cry a little and like i think in our seven year like relationship i've seen you cry maybe like twice and Mm -hmm. now i've seen it 22 times (laughs) yeah 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 i've probably seen that scene like i said 20 times and i tear up every single time and and it's part of it is because if you go and check out this tv series we'll link it in the description here it's called the chosen but part of it is is like they they do a great job capturing this moment. And if you remember in the story, Jesus says that there's coming a time where 
it doesn't matter who you are or where you're where you're gonna be at or you know whatever that it, it doesn't matter where you worship as long as you do it in spirit and truth and for us you know in 2020 that sounds like yeah whatever that's not a big deal but for back then part of the tension between the Samaritans and the Jewish people is that the Samaritans were told you could only worship God at the temple, but then they weren't allowed to go to the temple. And Jesus was, his ministry was to show that those barriers, that he was breaking those barriers. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we can take for granted, but I think that there's some parallels today, maybe not as drastic, but there's some parallels today with churches saying that they're the only right way that you have to do follow a certain set of rules um, in order to be in have you ever experienced that not being included yeah in church world or general it yeah in church world specifically um well i grew up i my parents were catholic and i didn't really i don't know it was difficult because like, you had to dress a certain way, like, be a certain way, act a certain way. And um, I think it it was difficult because, like, you, could, you couldn't wear certain things to church. And um, it seemed very, like, when you walked in, you had to be this totally different person than what you were used to being throughout the week. And it seemed like just that one hour during the week you have to like straighten up and be better and yeah 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 i remember um <laughs> i remember you know so first off there's not every uh not every catholic church is like that like no. I, I mean i know that you're talking about just your experience just the one i've been to <laughs> yeah but uh you know <laughs> one of the things that i remember is I, I i've known times where i'll wear like jeans to church sometimes jeans with holes in them and people will be like i can't believe you're wearing that in church and i'm like why i mean it's what i wear every other day of the week like <laughs> god doesn't like me those days and i you know that tension and that's just about clothes or how we act but i mean i have heard stories and we've heard stories of friends and and people we know who like it's more personal more emotional it's things like if who they are as a person yeah Yeah. like it's like they have a family member come out as gay and then the church doesn't accept them yeah or parents get divorced or somebody has an abortion, or it's just some lifestyle choice that most of the people in the church disagree with. That and they might have done. They just kept it hush-hush. Right. That's also <laughs> true. Is that sometimes it's, it's hypocritical. Um, but, yeah, that everybody will judge this person and, and, and kind of kick them out of the community. Mm-hmm. And that those are some modern-day parallels to what this woman felt not only by the town she was in, but then by the religious culture that she wasn't welcome in. And that broke Jesus's heart. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, <laughs> that is not where God is at. The, the theme through John that I love is he starts this off in, in John 1 that he says, Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. And, and this is just an, another example, and you're going to see it all throughout, John, is that Jesus being full of grace here, we've talked about that, that he was full of grace and that he empowered and encouraged this woman. He used her like to, to 
influence the whole town. Yeah. That's amazing grace. The truth is, the truth part is, he still, in the calling out that she had been with multiple husbands, she, he was pointing out that she, like, that Jesus had a bigger dream for her. That it was not just like, hey, this lifestyle you've been living, like, there's just something bigger and better for you. Um, and see, so you, you see that grace and truth. Yeah, I also love, um, another thing I love about the story is that he, like, identifies her probably the most shame in her life like her sins and what she's done um throughout her lifetime with having multiple husbands and then um living with a man that wasn't her husband and um so like he says like i see it but i also see you and i see um like you're still valuable to me and i still care for you and i still love you and i think that's that's amazing that he like is able to say, "Hey, I see all these issues, but I still love you." The grace and the truth again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, my friend Lindsay. Yesterday we uh, we recorded some podcasts that are going to be coming out later. So teaser alert. But we were recording, and what she talked about grace and truth, I love because it's it's not grace then truth or truth then grace or you get some grace and then we balance it out with some truth. It's it's a hundred percent grace and a hundred percent truth at the mm-hmm. same time. And that can be hard for us to wrap our minds around because it is again, to your point, he calls out the deepest, darkest, shame, sinful thing in her life, which might be different for your life, might be different for my life, like Jesus, but he he says, I see that, mm-hmm. okay, and yet I am extending this grace, and I have a bigger dream for you, like I love you too much to let you stay there, mm-hmm. but even if that's where you're at, like this grace isn't going away, yeah. and I just, that is just so, so powerful, um, yeah. and, it, and it blows my mind, and it's hard for us to wrap our minds around but you'll see this throughout the storyline of John that this idea of grace and truth, 100% of each, uh, it's just is existent throughout all of his stories. Um, we can uh, start to wrap up with this, but like, in light of this story, how does it, like, you talked about why you like it, but what are some of the impacts it's had on your life or that it should have on? on your life like what are some ways that you can apply things from the story to your life um well first i definitely think um the whole grace and truth thing we were talking about that um god sees your sin or your shame or parts of areas that you're kind of embarrassed by and still loves you through it and then i also think um specifically for women but it also can apply you know to other people is that he uses in this time like you had talked about how um she was a woman and she wasn't really valued in that society and i think that he used a woman and a woman that you know, wasn't really favored in the town, um, to go change that whole town. And I think that's like super powerful. I think, um, is that, you know, even now, like there's some like differences between men and women and respect and, and like 
workplace and and you see it everywhere um but god doesn't see that and so if if you're a woman thinking like oh how could i be used she was the first person that he used to change a town and he was the first person he revealed himself to like you had said and so i think that's very encouraging for people um but then you know for other people to apply it to like men that you don't have to stay in your shame that god sees it and he continues to love you yeah yeah you know unfortunately like this is one of the reasons is my favorite story and go-to story is that there's a lot of um you know (laughs) there's a lot of racial implications and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of gender implications in the story because Jesus cuts through two huge barriers yeah. of that time that unfortunately 2,000 years later still exist yeah. in different ways. And so unfor- unfortunately in the world in general and the church world is not immune from this at all is that as you're getting at is that women have been put down and then people who are of a different race have been put down um, typically. And, and I understand that might not be true all places, but it historically has been true. And this is part of why this is one of my go-to stories is that I have the amazing opportunity that I get to work with people and they've experienced this, mm-hmm. right? They've experienced being passed over and not listened to and not respected in church because they're a woman or in church because they're not white. And, and, and naturally it causes them to be like, well, you know what? If that's what God is like, well, F that, I'm out. Yeah, I don't why, want to deal with this why shit. Would you want it? <laughs> yeah. And that and that's their natural response. Yeah. Which makes total sense, which if that's you, like you're right. Like you shouldn't have to deal with that crap. But it's the, not the truth. Exactly. This is why I love this story, is because again, I can't stress this enough. At the beginning of Jesus's ministry or life and his purpose this is where he starts and i think it's where he starts to make this dramatic point and and i mean i wish it was not as culturally relative today as it is but it is that that no matter who you are in your deepest shame jesus sees that and shows up in that and no matter how culture views you like if even if culture views you as less than somebody else or less than another group of people jesus does not agree with that and and again that is hard for us to wrap our minds around because nowhere has that perfect i don't have that perfect but that is where god where jesus was at and and that's so cool and so for me the implications are are that trying to model that in my life that Mm -hmm. I should be encouraging and empowering the people around me. And, and when I see somebody mess up, that I should extend the grace and extend the truth that they are called to so much greater than where they're at. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, just looking for ways that I can encourage and empower people. Yeah. And I think sometimes like it's hard to get outside of your view, like, like for me, I'm a woman, so I have that view. Like I don't really know how it feels to be like someone else, but listening and 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 then applying what people have told you, um, yeah. and always being on the lookout for how you can adjust. And yeah, it's yeah. great. Yep, yeah, it is. 
Well, you know, it's a it's a great story. Yes, it's a story that's made me tear up. Okay, I wouldn't say cry because <laughs> crying means one tear from each eye. Okay, I've only uh, I've only gotten one tear from one eye, so it's not an official cry. Uh, but it is a good story that the uh, that I think like I said has modern day impacts for how we view people and how we view the good news of Jesus, and so. You should totally check it out. Speaking of checking things out, make sure that you tune in each Thursday because we'll be dropping new episodes each Thursday. We also, starting this week, are going to get our Facebook group up and going. There's going to be a lot of engaging happening over there and so questions and discussions around these things. So make sure you check that out. You can I'll link that in the description. But it's just a private group for not sh- not church listeners. So definitely check that out. Uh, we'd love to see there comment on that and be like, wow, Amanda sounds so smart. And Nate sounds like an idiot. Okay. That'd be a great comment. <laughs> Please don't comment the other thing. Yeah. The other yeah, way. Yeah. Don't comment <laughs> the other way. <laughs> but we'd love to hear, hear your thoughts, hear how this story applies to you. What do you think about this story? Do you find this story hard to believe? And what are some maybe modern day uh, implications that you see from this uh, modern day parallels? And so check all that out over at our Facebook page and can't wait to see you again next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. Peace. Bye.